It's a very interesting series, a very interesting word and time that we plan to have. Um, this is part four of a series of programs, if you like, meetings, if you like, that we've been having, tagged differently as the Spirit of God has directed us. And it's been an amazing one. And I know by the end of this, you'll be glad that you did tune in to this program, to this meeting. I would um, give a brief recap and explain what exactly we're about to deal with right here. Okay, so this is part four. The series was first tagged preparing for influence and we covered a number of subjects from part one, the generation that we are in, what kind of generation it is, and what Jesus had to say about this generation. What Jesus had to say about the generation. In part two, we looked at our faith, our faith in focus. What was delivered to us? What were we given? And the procession over time. Part three, we talked about the work of the God of this world and what he is doing that explains the spiritual backing behind some of the things we are seeing. And now this is part four. And I told them it's only going to get more and more interesting, hotter and hotter, more and more exciting. And that's the glory of all of this. That's the glory of all of this. But before I get into the main subject, I'd like to give a preface to what I'm about to share with you. So our world, as we see it today, when I was inviting some other people, I said that I would be deliberating on some of the things that are going on in the world today and what our stand should be as Christians, as God's people, what our stand should be, what our position should be, what should we do, what should our attitude be. But first of all, let me talk about where we are. So we're in a very interesting situation in the world right now, and it's affecting everybody. Um, hence our, you know, prayer points and the way they are. And if you listen to everything that's said about the prayer point, you now see why certain things are the way they are. There's the talk about the vaccines, about COVID-19, restrictions, the lockdowns, and all manner of things are happening in the world. But what does it mean? And what is God's take on it? Not his take, but what does God see? And what does he expect us to see as his people? What should we do about it? Part of why this was on is because 
while we were waiting for the Global Day of Prayer, for those who joined the Global Day of Prayer with um, Pastor Chris and Pastor Benny, and, um, you know, your Love World sessions and so many other things and several other programs that other people are having, the Lord brought to mind and pressed on me the importance of having this program so that people don't go to sleep. So that people don't watch their world get destroyed and wait for somebody to try to fix it. So I tacked it preparing for influence, doing something about it. First of all, there's all sorts of crazy stuff happening. The talk about when is lockdown going to be over? Which is part of why we started things like this. When we say we're praying about this. Because it's pointless trying to or waiting for something to happen when it was not even created in a sense to end. And you're waiting for a time where there will suddenly be some kind of freedom. But the people who announced it have not intended for it to end or for it to end without an undesirable consequence of its shutting down. As I thought to prepare for this, and don't worry, all this introduction is going to be needful. I thought of different ways I could pass across the point or the message. I thought, do I show you what is happening in the world? Because there are various articles, things you can read and really see what is happening. Because we often do nothing because we don't know what's happening. And then we don't realize or recognize our responsibility for what's happening. Understand that the devil uses things as opportunity. Just like we talk about opportunity with God. Same thing. The devil learned it. So it's about opportunity. And so when you look into the scriptures and you compare the things that are said outside with how it's written in the Bible and suddenly you see a meeting point, that's how you interpret things spiritually. It's not very hard. How many people are following? It's not very hard. Because all you have to do is look what's going on. And how does it actually look or sound from everything that's been said? What did Jesus say? He said, be vigilant. He said, have your lights burning. You have to have an understanding of the word so that you can judge situations. Let me read something to you. Philippians chapter 1. Let me help you. Let me, this would help. Show it to you. Philippians chapter 1 from verse 9. Listen listen to this. Right? And this I pray that your love may abound. Paul is praying for the church. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge. He's saying I want you to desire knowledge. And in all judgment. Let me read the... Let me read some other translations of that same verse so you see something. 
any SBCs. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge. What's real knowledge? The knowledge of the word of God. And all discernment. He wants us to have, he's praying that they would have a love for the scriptures, a love for knowledge and for discernment. Listen, that you may approve things that are excellent. And that you may be sincere and without offense. That is, without a disqualifying factor until the day of Christ. This is his prayer. He's saying, I want you to cherish the scriptures so that it would give you a kind of spiritual discernment. You're asking, how can I become more discerning? He's saying, I want them to cherish the scriptures so that they would have a kind of knowledge and a discernment so that they will be able to, you see, deal with things, approve things that are excellent, meaning that there are things that are going to be said that are excellent. But if the scripture doesn't line up with that thing saying it's excellent, it's not. And he says, why is this important? Why is this discernment important? So that you may be sincere and without offense, without a disqualifying factor until Christ returns. What is the problem right now with Christians? I tell you, ignorance. So many people are ignorant because they're not reading the Bible, but they're listening to the science, as you may call it, or to the news or to the media. So what happens is they may end up taking a view of some media outlet somewhere and forget what the word says and fall into error. In your own time, do a study on how dangerous the mark of the beast is. If a Christian takes it, brother or sister, it's a wrap. Despite that you were saved, you were warned by the scriptures. What does this mean to me? Maybe you're asking, what is it to me? I'm concerned for the salvation of men. I'm concerned for the lives of people. I'm concerned for those who are ignorant. I'm concerned for those who take the vaccine and eventually die without knowing Jesus Christ. Because their time and opportunity to hear of the gospel is shortened. If they are not protected. What is that's the concern? Because this is the day of salvation. The death of one person pains the heart of God. Even one person. Sometimes it's easy to think that life is going on and we're just waiting for the, the, the lockdowns to open up and everything. It's very easy to do that when it's not your family member. Do you understand? It's very easy to be unbothered when it's not particularly somebody close to you. But when God enables you to have his kind of heart and have a genuine concern for the unsaved, for people who haven't seen Jesus Christ, you know there has to be something done about it. If we don't interpret the situations and the world by the scriptures, we would fall into error. We would think life is normal when it's not. 
So we have to see things scripturally. And yesterday, I explained a few things. But the first verse I want to read to you is in Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60 from verse 1. So that you understand that the days that we're living in were prophesied. I won't be putting, up, putting it up on the screen today. So if you have your Bible, it'll be good. Isaiah chapter 60 from verse 1. He says, arise. Who is he talking to? God's people. Arise, shine, for thy light is come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold. So when is he telling them to arise and shine? He says, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. The world is in a state of darkness. But what should your position be? That's the question. He said, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. From what we read, is as though God doesn't want us to be in the same darkness. And he doesn't expect us to be in the same position. So he says, arise, shine. Meaning that you have a ministry in all of what's happening. We're getting closer and closer to where we're going to start. Because I really want this to enter. The reason I'm taking through all of this is because I know that we have a mixed crowd here. And I, I, I'm not too sure um, everything that you are aware of now. So that's why I'm trying to highlight on a few things. So we are in dark days. But the Lord doesn't want us to. Remain there. Like he didn't tell us about it. You know, the Bible says that when the Holy Ghost comes, he'll guide you into all truth and he would show you things to come. Do you think he's showing you things to come just so you know them? Foreknowledge is usually about preparation. It's about look at the days that are ahead. Jesus talked to us about the future. You know, as Christians, are you learning about the world by what is told you from just media, the science? Or are you, have you ever bothered to say, did Jesus say anything about it? You know why many people haven't thought like that? Because many people have taken the Bible to be a history book. To be a historical account. But if you would see the eternity of God's word, that is the perpetuity. How it cuts across like it's not just cutting across it tells of the future because when we get to heaven he's not going to ask or be bothered about what anybody told you was going on he's going to ask my scriptures said this jesus said he that readeth let him understand there's an awareness he wants us to have I want to give you four things. Four things you should understand about what's going on now. Four things. If you learn these four, you know that at least we started the journey with you. Four things about what's going on now. Number one, 
is that it is an attack on the church. I highlighted the importance of seeing these things spiritually. Spiritual things are not... The Bible says that the kingdom of God cometh not by observation. You don't just see with your physical eyes and expect to know what's happening spiritually. So what I'm trying to tell you is you would see things naturally, but it's not what you're seeing that's the real thing. All you're seeing is a virus, some lockdowns, and this and this, but that's not what that's not what the real attack is. I was explaining how that Satan would not outright come and say, yes, so all these lockdowns and restrictions, they're against the church. All. No, 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 no. He's not going to do that. He's going to create a situation. He's been with man for over how many years? Thousands of years. He understands man. He understands how they think. He knows how to get to them. But you receive the Holy Spirit and you have the scriptures so that the Bible says, so that we would be able to stand against the wiles. That word is the deceptions of the devil. The lies of the devil. Oh, it's just about this and this and this and this and this. Meanwhile, it's way bigger than that. Or oh, the main subject is not covered. You've heard about openings. Have you heard about a church opening? There were plans to shut down the churches. There are churches still closed till now. Somebody came to me and asked me yesterday... He came and said, oh, I'm looking for a church. My church got shut down for some other reason, you know, and he's looking for a church. Now, I go to church. I have to travel to go to church, to Coventry, okay, because there's only one building that they've been paying for. We are not able, because a lot of churches have been shut down because of this. My point to you is, do you think this is something that is, you know, I was talking with someone and he said, I want to see, he's a Christian. I want to see what the outcome of all of this would be. And I was amazed. You want to see what the outcome would be. You don't realize that you determine the outcome. Okay. Number one. I said, it's an attack on the church. And remember that the church is not a physical building. So when I say it's an attack on the church, I don't just mean, oh, because it's a lockdown, it's an attack on the church. No. It is an attack on the church. I think Faith was the one that mentioned the scripture. Matthew chapter 16. Listen. Chapter 16 from verse 18. Where are we now? That's what I'm telling you. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. My question is, what do you think that Jesus meant by the gates of hell? It's all about the principalities of hell. The powers of hell. Now, when do you think that the church is going to be attacked, in a sense? For those who are not aware, we have been facing persecution. The church has faced persecution all the time. And it's always for the glory of the church. Because it's always to the glory of the church because that's how... It expands. The message grows. But I want you to know that there are forces behind the things that are happening now. And Jesus said that they are against his church. He will build his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Matthew chapter 10, verse 16. I'm just giving you scriptures to understand. It's an attack on the church. From verse 16. Jesus said, behold that now. He was talking to his disciples, but you need to understand that these, this is also, you know, can be taken. He says, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You know, serpents, if I should go into this a bit, I'm, you know, I, I pray you understand this. It talks about being cunning. It also talks about being informed. When it talks about serpents. What is wisdom? He says, I send you forth as sheep amidst wolves. Who are you? We say, we're the Lord's sheep. Okay, great. Amidst wolves. What is the relationship between wolves and sheep? I can, I can assure you, wolves don't, they don't uh, have parties together. They're not friends. My point is, the church is a threat to hell. And hell is against the church. Against Jesus Christ. And there are forces today who have yielded to the powers of hell to try and frustrate the churches. There are churches that have been shut down, locked up because of the things happening. I want you to see this. I send you forth as sheep amidst wolves. So we're surrounded by adversaries. If you don't recognize them just because somebody is not coming to you and saying, okay, are you a Christian? Go. No. You don't have to be put in prison before you know that something is actually happening. Some of you have heard of the kind of things that are happening with, they want to ban Bibles. They want to, are you not concerned? End times doesn't mean losing time. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, God is going to leave the world to, to just perish. When you see bad things happening, know you have a role. Number one, it's an attack on the church. Number two, it is the move of the spirit of the Antichrist, which is already in the world. Four things you must understand about this situation. It is a move of the spirit of the Antichrist, which is already in the world. In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3, I want to start running a bit now. So make sure you follow me. He says, And every spirit that, confess, that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist. John is writing from his day he identified that spirit. He says, And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come. And even now already is it in the world. The Antichrist spirit is still in the world. The church, which is the body of Christ, and Christ himself is fully manifested in his church. Antichrist against Christ. Tell me, if there's a spirit of Antichrist in the world, do you think he's sleeping? 1 John 4, 3, from verse 3. There's an Antichrist spirit out there. The locking up of churches, shutting down of place. What do you think is the manifestation? That's a manifestation of the spirit. Of that spirit. But God tells us in verse 4. Ye are of God. 
John tells us in verse 4, Ye are of God, little children. And you have overcome them. What? The Antichrist spirit. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He highlights on the greater one in you, the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's something about the Holy Spirit you received. There's his ministry in your life and through your life to the world, to other people, for other Christians, to the unbelievers. There's a ministry. But I said, this is the move of the Antichrist. If you read in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, you read about how the Antichrist will change times and laws. He's messing with things, changing laws. So now you have all sorts of laws and regulations. And you, you think it's just happening. No, it's the manifestation of the spirit of the Antichrist. Number three, the church has a role to play as a house of prayer. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus said something about the church. Mark chapter 11, from verse 17. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? The NKJV says, New King James Version, says, is it not written, or, yeah, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. The original verse in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 56, I want you to flow with me now because it's taking quite some time, but it's because I want you to have this preface, this understanding of what's going on, just in case you don't know, so that you see the things happening and you don't just wait there. Isaiah chapter 56 from verse 7. He says, Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. In my house of prayer. He calls the church a house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. The church is the ground and pillar of truth. It's also a house of prayer. In fact, it is called the house of prayer. Number four, we ought to play our role as salt and light. I'll read the four again, and I know I'm taking my time on this. The first thing, four things about what's happening in the world now. It's an attack on the church. It's a move. It's the move of the spirit of the Antichrist. It's a move of the spirit of the Antichrist, which is already in the world. Number three, the church has a role to play as a house of prayer or the house of prayer. Number four, we ought to play our role as salt and light. I told you about the first one. I told you about the second one. What is it about the third one? There needs to be a change of attitude concerning prayer. People need to understand that we pray in faith to God, not in hope. You know, it's a very different kind. But I want you to, I hope you're learning something. Who's, who's learning something? Because, you see... We don't, we're not praying to God and hoping that he will do something about it. No, 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 no. Understand. You know why some people, the Bible says the prayer of faith shall save the sick. You never find a place where prayer is prayed in, in, in hope. 
how do you pray to a God you don't see? You don't hope he's there. If, you, if you're hoping he's there, then he can't work with you. The Bible says that he that cometh unto God, and he was teaching about the subject of faith. He that cometh unto God must believe, believe in his faith, that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What it means is we have to pray in faith. Not just, God, please, ease the lockdowns. Is No, pray like he's going to answer. Pray like he does answer prayer. So there needs to be a change of attitude towards prayer. You must believe in the potency of your prayers. Jesus said that in Mark 11, Mark 11, it's a principle of prayer. Mark 11, chapter 23. Look what Jesus said. He said, have faith, okay, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will, will be done, he will have whatever he says. This is a principle of faith. And then he talks about it in prayer. Therefore I say unto you, meaning he was referring to this principle of faith in prayer. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. He gave no, no, that, see, if you're hoping, someone you're hoping on can fail you. But faith always works. That's, that's biblical, scriptural. Your experiences may differ, but the problem is not with the word. The problem is with your understanding of faith. And that's a whole different subject. But he says, if you believe when you pray, he says, whatever you've prayed about, you will have it. Because I find that many people, I told you, this series is for special people. It's for people who want to make a difference. It's for people who truly believe in God and know that something can be done about it. This situation. We're in a generation. I explain about the perverse generation. We're going to get into the main thing, which with, all, with this understanding, you'll be able to flow it very easily. But we need to have an attitude towards prayer. Tell yourself that prayer works. Miles Monroe said something. He said, if you want to know the true growth or strength of a church, come to the prayer meeting. He said that because it's an unfortunate thing that the prayer meeting is the emptiest gathering of the church. I feel like I'm preaching like A.W. Tozer. You know, A.W. Tozer, his messages were very interesting. Because he was addressing matters in the church. And I know that this may not be that feel-good message per se. But if you would take it and put it to work, you won't just feel good. You know that you're doing the right thing. We need to have a change of attitude toward prayer. When we believe in our prayers, we're not, see, you know, you're not calling on God like, oh, Lord, um, please, we need a change. And then you leave. You, you know, you're praying like, 
Is God really there? That's why he said, he that cometh unto God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek. So you must believe that God rewards. You must believe that God acts. Not just believe in his existence. Not just believe that he is there. Some people believe it. You say God is still on the earth. Do you believe he answers? I know God answers prayer. Do you believe now? We need to have a change of attitude towards prayer. Where we believe when we pray, God answers. No matter how great God is, it seems as if he's limited by our faith. It seems. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Okay. For Elijah to pray that the heavens would be shut up. Do you think he, he, he doubted for a second that God was able to do it? Or able to answer? Or would answer? You know, there are certain prayers you can make, but because you have a cover-up for it, for example, God prosper my business, but you know you will still work 9 to 5. So it's like, even if God doesn't answer, it will still work. I'm just trying to give you um, how some people think. How many people are following? No, it's a very different kind of message. Okay? How many people are following? But there are some things that you know you are not in control of, that only God can control. And that's the reason you can pray. Elijah, there was no way he could have shut the heavens. He was not in charge. He didn't have the authority. But he believed in a God that could shut the heavens. That's why he prayed. We need to have faith in our prayer. So that when we say we're praying, you know, you would, it won't just be Zaga by a day. No, you're praying, you're focusing on the matter. And you know that God is going to respond. When I pray, I, I pray with, because that's where my confidence is, that God is able. When we say God is able, God doesn't just sit on the throne and just, no, 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 no. The Bible says he was looking through the earth for a deliverer. He was looking through the earth for an intercessor, but finding none, he pained his heart. There are situations where because there were not people of faith who could do it, it was as though the hand of God was 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 shortened. Say what you like. These are scriptural. If God could really rule this world just by his being, why do we pray? Have you ever bothered to ask yourself? I mean, why would he tell you to ask in prayer if he already knew your needs? Yes, he knows your needs. So why did he still tell you to ask? Therefore, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus gave us an assurance. Let some things get lighter to you. So, exercise your faith in prayer. Believe that God answers my prayer. God listens. The Bible says that if when we pray, if we believe that he hears, then we know we have it. Meaning that I can pray, know that he can do it. But if I don't really believe that he hears and he answers prayer, 
That's enough to make it not happen. These are scriptural. It's in First John chapter 5. I'm thinking whether to show you this one. Point number four, we have our role as salt and as light. Matthew chapter five. This is one of the things that I've tried to, I've tried severally to explain. But I remember the first time I mentioned this in Birmingham. People were looking at me clueless. They didn't understand what was he on about? We have our role as salt and light. Read this. Matthew chapter 5 from verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Dear God, I wish, I wish you could understand this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall the earth be seasoned. That's the it there. The it was not you. You being seasoned. He said, how shall it? He said, you're the salt of the earth. If the salt, you, lose something, how shall the earth, it, be flavored or seasoned? Listen. Let me read some other part. Oh, I'm looking for... Yes, the Good News Bible. You are like salt for the human race. Or you are the salt of the human race. But if the salt loses its saltiness. Meaning, if we lose what makes us us. What, what makes us us? Our identity. If we lose who we are. If we lose... Understand this. If we lose what makes, what makes us salty. I tell you that the Holy Ghost is your essence. I tell you your identity. Meaning, if we forget ourselves. How will the earth be seasoned? Meaning, who would determine the course of the earth? It must mean that God put the way this earth will be run in the hands of some people. I know we sing that song. He's got the whole world in his hands. And we love the song. We love to sing it. Yes, he's got the whole world in his hands. It's true. Yet the Bible says, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Then he starts to talk about his word, meaning his word is his is his, is the extension, is his help to the world. The Bible says he sent his word and healed their disease. Now, now, when we preach the word, what are we doing? That's how come we can preach the word and people get healed. That's how come that can happen. He's got to do it through somebody. I'm telling you that this meeting, this gathering, if you are invited to this meeting, it's not because... Uh, it was just good to invite you. No, the person deemed it so that you were somebody who would understand the need in this world and rise. I keep telling my people, we're not too young to be ahead. We're not too young to know these things. We're not too young to take responsibility. The Bible says in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. We're talking about young people. Jesus said, whoever receives one of these little ones in my name, receives me. 
He actually talked about that, that, that humility that you would see a young child. But because that young child is coming in the name of Jesus, you still give him reverence. No, no, think about that. Like, because he knew how people thought. He knew how people reasoned. Yet, I, I don't know, it's like God has something for young people. The Bible says that in the mouths of babes and sucklings, he has ordained strength. He ordained praise. Some other translations say he perfected praise. Meaning God ordained his power, his strength, the perfection of praise in young people. In the mouths of babes and sucklings. I'm trying to show you that you are not ordinary. You're not any and anybody. And you must realize that we play a role. Today. As a salt of the earth, we determine the season of the earth. Meaning our experience on this earth is subject to our manifestation as the salt of the earth. Look at verse 14. Another one that some people don't really understand. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen to this. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. He didn't say you are a bearer of the light of the world. He didn't say you are holding the torch of the world. He said you are the light. Now, look at, I want you to notice the positions of light. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't be hidden. Wait. He now says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. What is the house in this verse? The world. You are the light of the world. He says, they light it and they put it on a lampstand. You're lit with the Holy Ghost. You're the light of the world. They place you on a pedestal. God has placed you to reign with him. To give light to the whole world. What does light do? Light gives direction. It brings clarity. It's amazing how people don't even, they don't trust the word of God. They don't trust what the preacher is saying, even when he's preaching the Bible. But he says, you're the light of the world. He now says, let your light so shine before men. Clearly, he wasn't talking about just your brothers and your sisters. He was talking about the whole world. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And I keep telling people that the light is not the good works. He said, let you shine. Let your light shine so that they can see your good works. So this was something about an identity. Something about you that would shine. So if the church is being silenced. Or the church is being, is being um, put under. Can they shine? We want to make a change. Yes, you new creation, you. Don't worry, things are going to get bubbly very soon. I just need to pass that across. Okay, pass that across. For all our new people, how everything is making sense, right? So, we have that ministry. We have this work to do. Four, those are the four things you need to understand about the situation. So, understand that there is a, the spirit of an antichrist doing a work. There is a God of this world making it hard for people to receive the gospel, to hear the word, to do the right thing. There's a spirit of, an, of the Antichrist doing something. 
But, 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 maybe I should show you one more scripture. Let me show you one more. Something about us. Something about us. Something about us. Oh, I'm running low on time. We've just, we're barely, we're getting into like an hour now. And we usually keep it under an hour. Okay. Let me show you a scripture that's very important. A scripture that's very important. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may be blameless and harmless, the children of God, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Do you remember that? Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. That I have not labored in vain. God's expectation of the church is not that we are under. Not that we are, we are the ones being influenced. I say don't be influenced. Be the influence. That's what we're talking about. It's not just a quote. It's in the Bible. This is going to be quite a session. So, with that long introduction and some of the things, I want us to get into something. Now, as your commitments get to you, you may disperse. But we're getting into this, part four, the warfare. Longest introduction you've heard, but don't worry. The warfare. So I said it's not about what's going on, the vaccine, not vac vaccinating. It's about Jesus and his purpose on the earth. Understand that we are the ones who give this light of the gospel. And we are the extension of his life on the earth. And anything that is to impede this purpose of giving this light to others for a reason which we'll get into. Anything that impedes this will be seen as an enemy. Of the battle of this last time. If not. As you were saved. Why weren't you raptured? Because there's a work to do. So what exactly is the devil fighting? I told you about the spirit of the antichrist. I told you about the God of this world. What is he fighting? What is he coming against? What is he, what is he so after? Why? Let's look at it. Let's look through the Bible. Maybe I should show you this. I should show you this one, right? Okay, so let's get into the Bible. Let me allow you see this for yourself so that we can flow. We can flow, we can flow. How many are flowing? How many are flowing? Let your excitement not die, okay? You're going to love it. The warfare itself. I see Deborah, I see Ivy, I see everyone. Okay, great stuff. The warfare itself. Let's get to it. What is he fighting about? What is he fighting against? Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Lord Jesus. What is he fighting about? Look at this. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Can everyone see the screen? As we have received mercy, we faint not. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. 
not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Who are these lost ones? In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. He's explaining to you the reason behind the rise in atheism. Why don't people believe in God? Why don't people turn to salvation? Despite how simple the message is. I tell people all the time, salvation is free. So why don't they turn to it? He says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. So he's saying, we're preaching Jesus Christ. He doesn't want the light of the gospel to go through them. But verse 7 tells us something. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. That the excellency, the efficacy of the power, my God, my God. That the efficacy of the power may be of God and not of us. So we are troubled on every side. I just told you about what's going on. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. I love it so much. Cast down, but not destroyed. Say, I can't be destroyed. I'm indestructible. No, no, no. You need to believe this. This is the truth of the word. Always bearing about his dyings, that his life may be manifested. I told you it's a loaded verse, but to begin to, you know, break it down for you. So he talks about the problem of the God of this world. Then he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. He begins to say, but despite all this trouble, despite everything that's happening, we have this treasure. You know, it's like, it's like, oh dear Lord, some, something wrong is happening. Things are going bad, but there's, there's a secret you have. There's something you have. There's an assurance you have. There's something you have. And he says, we have this treasure. He says, it's not, in, it's not in Ghana. It's not in Togo. It's not in people. Don't have confidence in men. Don't have confidence in... in don't, don't be waiting for the government of your city to do something. Or, or the, No. He says, our confidence is not in these things. We have this treasure. This treasure is not in somebody somewhere. He says, it's within us. This treasure is in earthen vessels that the excellency, the efficacy of the power may be of God. Understand this. He's saying we have power. But there is this being, there's this something in us that causes that power to be of God and not of us. Meaning, 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 you know how Jesus' miracles, you see, there were people who were magicians before. They did all kinds of acts and things. But when they saw the miracles of Jesus, Nicodemus said, the things that you do, it can only be that God is with you. Except God be with you, these things are not possible. That's, that's what Nicodemus said. Meaning that there was something about Jesus' life and the miracles he performed. So they said, except God be with a man. Except God be with a man. What kind of results should we have? So he begins to talk about the Holy Spirit. I read to you in Isaiah chapter 60. 
He said, and the glory of the Lord shall rise upon thee. The Lord shall rise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. He's saying in the midst of the darkness, there is something about the Holy Ghost. There's something about the Holy Ghost. Understand, there's, there's, there's a vision that God has for his church. In these times, in these times of war and of darkness, what does he want? I'll show it to you. It's in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. What does he want? What does he want? He says something from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, when I read this, every time I read this, he says, be strong in the Lord. This is his vision for the whole church. He doesn't want us to be chasing after, to be vaccinated or to be this or to be that. He said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I don't think you understand what he's saying. Be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened. Actually, the word is endunamo. Be endowed with power. Be endued with power in the Lord. But because you already have the Holy Ghost, he's saying, let this power. Wait, wait. He said, be strong. He's talking to the brethren, not to an apostle. What is the move of God in these last days? It's not just a Moses generation. It's not a one prophet Elijah generation. It's a Holy Ghost tongue-talking generation, miracle-producing generation, light-shining generation, fire-burning generation, where every person is lit up by the same fire. That's why he sent his spirit into our flesh. So he says, be strong in the Lord, be endued, that is, be strengthened in the Lord and in the power of his might. What was he saying? That is, be strong in Christ Jesus. But he doesn't want you to just be strong in the Lord. You know, it's easy to be strong. You know, they say it's easy to be strong in the Lord. But he's saying for each member, each Christian, each person, he says, and in the power of his might. You'd almost think that, you know, it's almost tautological. But no, the word power and might are two different things. The word power there is greatness. In the dominion of his might. Might there is his force. So he's saying, be strong in the Lord and in the greatness of his force. Be strong in the greatness of his ability. He's not, get this picture. He's not saying, hail God for it. For he is great and mighty. He's saying, you be strengthened with his strength. Be strong in him and in the greatness of his dominion. Meaning that the power that should be expressed in your life. That's why he said we have this treasure. That the excellency of the power, meaning the, the surpassing greatness, the quality, the efficacy of the power may be of God and not of us. Meaning that there is a working that is of us. There is, how do I explain this? There is. I go into this. You know how we say a vessel. There's a difference between being used by God and being one with God. There are two different things. Two completely different things. Now, I know in generic or colloquial conversation, 
in colloquial conversation, in in just you know when we're just discussing, we can say, "Oh, I want to be used by God. God use me," even though it's not necessarily correct. He's actually saying you've come into oneness with him now if you are one with god he's saying reign as a god like a child of the most high we are not just vessels i know i know i know i know you see yes there are scriptures about being a look you have to you have to study and you'd see these things as the word of god is shared that's why i'm excited because i'm going to keep sharing the word of god with you because that generation that grabs the word, gets it, puts it to work. Let me tell you. Any person can say your theory is nonsense. But when, when they see it working, they can't deny. They can't deny. Be strong in the Lord. Be strengthened. Endued with power in the Lord. That is, be strong in Him. Strengthened in Him. That is, in His Christ. In who He is. And in the greatness of his dominion. Meaning he wants every person to be walking in the dominion of Christ. If you're walking in the dominion of his force. Well, we're not talking about how to increase the anointing on your life. Do you understand? Listen, there are certain messages that you would, you would, you would start to go away from. Because of this understanding. Listen. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's saying walk in the ability of the most high. He's not saying take little power. I've heard, I've heard different things. You take little power. You know, he blesses you with some. Then as you grow in life, he blesses you with more. And no, 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 no. That's not the vision. In the power of his might, he's asking you to use all of... We were praying for the church earlier today. We said that they will be filled with the fullness of God. He's, that means with everything that makes God God. His power, his glory. He's, we want them to be filled with it. That's his vision. So you need to take your plane because your Christian walk is completely subject to your vision. If you can't see it, you can't be it. You can't live it. God needs your eyes. He needs you to see. It changes your mentality. Changes your talk, your thinking. Everything about you begins to think big, big, big. Greatness, greatness. So I walk into the room. It's not just the small dose that God dropped upon me. Lord, I need more. I need a daily dose. And, you know, there are all these things. The problem with this is it creates this idea of having a source somewhere. But he said that this treasure is within your vessel. It's within you. So when I'm saying, let's pray that these things are happening, I don't want you to be crying out to God. No, I, I once said that Christianity is service to humanity through the power of the Spirit. It's serving humanity, making the world a better place through the ability of the Spirit of God. Why did he make you wise? So that you come up with the solutions of the world. That You're, yeah, you're the answer. We are the answer. So he says, be strong. Finally, my brethren, after everything is said, I want you to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in Christ Jesus. How? By reading the word of God. By understanding, meditating on who you are. Then he says, in the power of his might. Meaning, when you're going, you're not going with what God has put in my life. You're going with God himself. Meaning, how big is God's 
force. How much? He's the God that parted the Red Sea. How much power have you got inside you? If you can't see it, you can't live it. You can't be it. You, it, it would work. So he's saying in the greatness of his dominion, in the, in the vigor of his ability, meaning how much is God able to do? Be strong in that. Then he says, put on the whole armor of God. It's so that when you're praying, look, one of the things that changed my prayer life was when God told me that we don't, we don't, we don't necessarily get power in prayer. We don't create, you know, some people have things like how to have power in prayer. And then you find Christians who are one with the Holy Spirit trying to get, get power from where? If the source lives inside you, from where? How? You are now one with the source. How? How do you want to do? Like, and look, the power or the beauty or the activation of Christianity is in your turning those legal realities into a vital experience. That's what it's about. We find what has legally been given to us and we turn it into a vital experience. There's the legality of righteousness, being freed from sin. But then there is now living out that righteousness, being the expression. The Bible says that just as we bore the image of the earthly, so also we shall bear the image of the heavenly. Meaning that I drop my earthly picture and I take up his heavenly one. Do you understand? You, 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 you pattern yourself not because you are not already heavenly. The Bible says our citizenship is of heaven. We're of heaven. I was talking to a sister um, uh, two days ago. And I said, the goal of Christianity is not to make it to heaven. He said, isn't that the eventual? I said, it's not. You were born there. It's your home. I told people rapture is like just where everybody goes home. It's where everybody goes home. And if you don't have that mentality towards the rapture, you'll be afraid. So he says, and in the power of his might. So what did God say? He said, it's not about getting power or creating power. What makes prayer have power? Prayer is not powerful in itself. Buddhists pray. Muslims pray. See, people pray. Everybody prays. But the spirit in prayer, the Holy Spirit is present in our prayer. That's the power in prayer. That's how come there's power in our prayer. That's how come, because he's listening. So he's the power in prayer. So when we say pray with the spirit, what are we telling you? That you're praying with power. It changed my, listen, I don't know about you. It changed my whole thinking. He said, we don't, why not? No, he said, you pray with power. Pray with the spirit. So what I'm telling you, pray with the spirit. Pray with the spirit. I'm telling you, pray with power. Pray with ability. You're praying with the ability of the most high. That's what he's saying. How come? Because he said the spirit is putting those, those words in you, those syllables. He's forming those things and you're releasing them. He said, where the word of a king is, there is power. Not because the king did anything, but by virtue of his identity. Who are you? 
when it becomes your, your mindset, your mentality, your consciousness. Listen, listen, you can have the seed of the word. When you meditate on it, it gets deep into you. Until that seed is deep on the inside of you, rooted in your heart. It, it won't last, you know, it won't last. So you need to put it deep inside you. So you say, I have power. I'm one with power. When I pray, there's power. You see? And then that seed begins to grow in you. Your prayers take a different form. It's not Lord, do something. It's Lord, me and you. The Bible says we're co-workers with God. He's our senior partner. He's our senior partner. As co-workers with God in this ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because we have the Holy Ghost beside us. Inside us, in front of us, behind us, on top of us, everywhere. So you're, you're replete with him. So we're co-working with him. Moving with him. Doing great things with him. He's my co- oh, yeah. That's the truth. So when we pray from that standpoint, you're not trying, you're not looking for how to be safe, how to be this, how to be that. No. That's how come we say we are safety. When they're with you, they're with the Spirit. Jesus said, um, um, don't worry, the Spirit shall be in you, but He's with you now. How? They couldn't see the Spirit of God? No, but He was in Jesus Christ. So if you have the Spirit inside you and they were safe, why do you think Jesus rebuked their faith? In the boat. How would Jesus be in your boat? They say it matters who's in your boat. How would Jesus be in your boat and you'd be afraid? You'd be scared. When they saw that he commanded the winds and the waves, he rebuked their faith. Oh, ye of little faith. So now you have the Holy Ghost inside you. How can you be afraid? It must mean that you have safety. You're, you now carry an atmosphere of safety. So when people are near you, they're in a place of safety. It's got to become your mentality. Your consciousness. Then when we say pray for the world, you understand that you are praying, you are, you are, that is, you are conditioning the earth with what you already are. You but angel said it's the gospel. Good news. Too good to be true. It's too good to be true. Imagine. That's why, that's why they don't believe it. They say, ah, no. So, he says, put on the whole armor of God. And then he tells us about the armor of God. But I'm on the warfare part of it now. Which is part of the warfare. Because we have the armor of God. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That you may be able to resist, to able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. That's what I'm sharing with you now. Having on the breastplate of righteousness, meaning you're bold about your righteousness. Are you aware that if you are not bold, if you're not confident in your righteousness, you won't pray well? Think about it. When you feel you've done something wrong to God, you spend half the prayer time trying to apologize to him. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. And then the condemnation is still on your heart. But he's saying the breastplate of righteousness. You are confident of this righteousness. Lord, I'm right with you. And your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel is one of our weapons of war. And we're going to talk about the gospel tomorrow. That's what we're going to talk about. Then he says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation 
and the sword of the spirit, which is the spoken word of God. When he talks about the spoken word of God, he says praying with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Praying in the spirit, praying in power, in the position of power, with power and watching. So you're watching and praying, watching and praying. How did God call this series? He showed me what was happening. He said, We've got, you've got plans for the year. I know. I can see this. I can see this. Okay. Let me tell you what's happening now. So that you can prepare yourself. And put the conditions in alignment. In part two, I told you. We condition from our prayer room. Then we go out and get what we want. Now understand that. That's, how, that's the strategy. So we condition. We frame occurrences. Don't worry. All these things we need to, we need to start... How to do it? You frame occurrences. Make the atmosphere conducive. And I showed you something in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. From verse 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not fleshly. But they are mighty through the Holy Ghost. Divinely empowered. To the pulling down of strongholds. This deception in the minds of people. This mentality in the minds of people. T.L. Osborne said, how big can God be in you? He said, he won't be bigger in the world than he is in you. Imagine somebody with the creator, one with the creator, with the creator on the inside of him, with God Almighty. Now we say God Almighty, we lift our hands and so it feels like he's, he's only there. Andrew Womack made a joke. He said, that's why I pray like this, Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, he said, how, how would you have God? And be saying, stay safe. Be safe. With God. Lord, I trust in you. He says, pulling down strongholds. Casting down imaginations. These are conceptions of the mind. Conceptions of the mind. Things that people imagine. You go out and you hear all sorts of things. Well, I don't believe in God because it's not... And the person is saying all kinds of things. But he says we can cast down those imaginations. Then look at this. And every high thing. Another translation says every proud thought. that Everything that exalts itself. Against the knowledge of God. The true knowledge of God. In our evangelism. In what we're doing. I told you, he doesn't want them to know about God. God shown in your heart. When we preach the gospel, we preach out that outshining. And God is manifested to others. But he's fighting against that. So he puts the lockdowns, he puts the restrictions, he puts all those things. And if you're not sensitive, if you're not discerning in the spirit, you don't know that that's the real thing. I told you that Paul was praying that they would have knowledge so that they would be able to discern. That's how you sharpen it. Discernment is not a mystery. So you know what is in God's plan. This is not meant to be. This is not how this is. So he says, you put away those, those, those thoughts. So in, I want you to understand that this is happening in prayer. Remember, he said, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay? Praying in the spirit. So as you're praying in the spirit, all those ideologies, 
casting them out and bringing into subjection, into captivity. You say, come here. I throw away this mentality. Look, Christianity is too powerful for the logical mind to comprehend. I had to learn spiritual things. Bringing into captivity. I want you to understand that God is saying, I want you to... Do you know what it means to deal with thoughts? Look what he's calling you to do. To deal with thoughts. He's saying, you can change the way people think in your area. Look, there's people that have done this. Charles Finney. Whom some refer to as the father of modern revivalism. Charles Finney said, he would get up 4 a.m. in the morning. In every in any city that he went to, 4 a.m. in the morning, from 4 to 8, yielding himself to the spirit of prayer and praying like that and praying like that and praying. He he so shook this world. He 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 did this so much. 50 miles away, his train has not even reached the city. People are already being convicted in their heart that they need to change. These are men that that pray, that queens, kings feared their prayers. Because they could all they, it was it was almost like they were controlling. Do, do you understand the kind of authority that is? Look what he's given us. The ability to cast down imaginations, to, to change the thinking pattern of people in your city. Understand this spiritually. This message is only for the spiritual. It's not for babes. Paul said, when I came unto you, I couldn't speak unto you. As unto spiritual, but as unto carnal. For you are babes. Carnality. They're thinking in the flesh. With the fleshly motives and desires. But he said, casting down imaginations. And every high thing. Every proud thought. Bringing everything in captivity. Into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. All of you are subject, you must listen. As the gospel goes forth, spirit, the Bible says that as that stiffened, being full of the Holy Ghost, that's replete. He was full of faith and of power. He says, as he spoke, he was speaking, he kept speaking. The Bible says that the people could not resist the wisdom. And the spirit by which he spoke. Meaning that wisdom was not. It was, it was not just wisdom like. He was talking. No. There was something about his words. Why? His words had been so mingled. With the spirit. He was full of faith. Full of power. They couldn't resist the spirit by which he spoke. I tell you these things. Because I know they've worked. I asked myself. Why? This is the last time I went for evangelism. Everybody responded. I had never seen it. It, it was like something else. People were giving their lives to Christ. Everybody. And, and I was wondering, how? But I remembered these scriptures. I remembered. And the Bible says they preached the word boldly and great grace was upon them. Particular person I was talking to. By the time I was there, I said, so would you like to give your life to Christ? She said, Wow, that you really speak. There's there's something about the way you speak. Like you really speak well. I tell you, it's not about the English. It's not about what was said. It's the spirit behind what was said. 
God is willing to do anything with you. He's willing to change everything. He's, but he's got to do it through somebody. And I'm telling you that this meeting is for bringing those people. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers. God is looking for laborers. People who can do the work. He said, there was something about the way you were speaking. Her and her boyfriend, they gave their lives to Christ day and day. Give their lives to Christ. God, but I mean, it was it was like wow. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, meaning obey to the obedience of the knowledge of Christ. So they start to respond to the gospel. Why? Because this is through the Holy Spirit. He knows the hearts of men. He knows people. He said, "Don't worry about hard people." He said, "I'm their soft spot." You can't resist. You can't resist the spirit. There's a spirit by which we speak. And this is his strategy. This is the way he wants us to do it. So the devil is fighting against this because he knows he knows. What is it that the devil knows about when we preach the gospel? Let me show you. What does he know? Look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves. He says, we are not preaching us, but Christ Jesus. I said it's different. Preaching about Christ Jesus. No. He says, we preach Christ Jesus. What that means is we preach him. They see him. When, we, when we're speaking like that, they are seeing him. They can literally feel him. I remember on a on a table with a few other people and I sat there with them only a few words I said Jesus Christ is here and he's real he's real he's here right now it was like where is he I said you can't see him but he's here. I'm telling you he's here. I'm telling you he's here. Before long, the manifested presence of God got to them. Each one of them started shedding tears. No message. But we preach Christ Jesus. There was a conviction of his presence. It's something that we carry. This treasure in earthen vessels. He said when the Holy Ghost comes. He shall not He shall not speak of himself. But that which he hears. Shall he speak. And he shall glorify me. Every time that the Holy Ghost is working. It's always to glorify Jesus. The word of God is not chained. The Holy Spirit is not chained. And he wants to use you. I, I keep thinking. I said, Lord, we're praying and praying and praying that people in the how in the leaderships will change. That they will change the way they reason. That they would stop acting the way they're acting. But I said something. I said, if if they were saved, it would not be our problem. If the people in these in these houses were saved, it wouldn't be the problem. If they were saved, think about it. If your president was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and listening to the Spirit of God, 
It's why we're praying for leaders of nations and that God would put in people there filled with his spirit that know his will and would disallow the work of the Antichrist. So he says, we preach Christ Jesus for God who has shined in our hearts to give the knowledge, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. That's what he's done. He's shined in our hearts to give God's knowledge in the face of Jesus. He shined in our hearts. So when we preach this gospel, it's happening. But we have a work to do in prayer. So we have to learn to react through prayer and prophecy. We have to learn to react through prayer and prophecy. We pray for our nations. We pray for our cities. And in prayer, we talk about, we call those spirits by name. The spirit of the world. The spirits responsible for putting these thoughts in men. We rebuke them. We send them away. Send them out of the country. Jesus, Jesus, the devils acknowledged that he could do that. So we do it. We do it. We pray. And we win in this warfare. So there are two sides to the warfare. Two vital things. The word and prayer. I'm talking to you about the word tomorrow for the final session. By the grace of God. The work in the word. And we're going to talk about it. What the devil is afraid of when we preach the gospel. And then this work in prayer. Important. So they're not going to prevail over us. This is a generation of unbelievers. Not anymore. We're not going to, we're not going to give God that excuse. No. 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 Like, like people like Charles Finney. We're going to shake this world. That is because Charles Finney said revival is not, is not a mystery. It's the application of principles. There are literally principles. There are things. Listen. There are things that activate such. It's not a mystery. And it made it plain to us through the scriptures. We're not going to give him any excuses. We're going to use it, work it to the part in prayer. So he wants us to realize that we have a treasure in our earthen vessels. Then he also wants us to realize that we are called to walk in the dominion of his spirit. People say, an increased anointing and all. says how God anointed Jesus Christ with the Holy Ghost and with power. You see, they say, how God anointed. So you, you think about, it was a heavy anointing. Yes, I agree. How he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. But the Bible does tell us what that anointing was. The Bible says that he anointed him with the Spirit without measure. Meaning God wasn't measuring. In those times, he used to put a measure on the prophets. And then, they would manifest and talk the word of God and prophesy on kings. But with Jesus Christ, he was filled with the spirit, with all the fullness of God. Then the Bible says of his fullness. Whose fullness? Jesus Christ's fullness. He didn't, the Bible never says that we have a limited anointing. The Bible doesn't talk about increasing the anointing. He says of his fullness we have received grace for grace. What does that mean? It's about you growing in grace. Growing in grace. Growing in God's ability. 
growing in grace. And the Bible tells us how. So, even in meetings like this, when the word of God comes, it's called the word of his grace. So, as the word of God comes to you, grace is being issued out to you. It's meeting you. The grace to take over. The grace to do a mighty work is made available to you. And through, through, through wisdom, his word, his spirit in prayer are going to take this world. So it's preparation for influence, doing something with the word of God. Doing something with the word of God. Influence realized. That's what I call it. So I'm looking forward to tomorrow. We're going to take the final part of this. The final part. Telling you the other part of it. Of the gospel. So we know what he's fighting against. The power we have to stop him. As the restrainers. The Bible says. Only him that let it now would let. You see. We know what withholds him. That he might be manifested. That's talking about the Antichrist himself. In the proper time. So we restrain him. Through our prayers. And the manifestation of the kingdom of God. Because it's not just in praying. The manifestation of the spirit of God. The more people we get saved. The more people are under the influence. Of God. Of God and his spirit. And his spirit. So. I hope. You've got something today. Your mind has been given something to think about. And to exercise. So exercise this power in prayer. Believe in your prayers. We know what's going on in the world now and we have the solution. So, we're working. We're going to use it in prayer, labor in prayer, and have results. So, stay tuned for tomorrow where we're going to have the final part, part five, the preaching or telling of the good news. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.